Good morning. Pastor Kyle, I want to thank you all for being here today and uh, especially our guests who are with us. We've been praying for you and are so glad that you've joined us to worship today. We welcome those of you watching online from wherever you are in the world or listening to our podcast and just grateful that you've made time for us as well. Uh, we're so glad to have Cole as our worship leader and uh, I do I invite you to stick around, shake his hand, give him a hug or come see him at the picnic. He's a big Carolina Panthers fan. That's an easy way to get to know Cole. So uh, just start talking about the Panthers. It's awesome to have him with us. Uh, it is a great opportunity for us to be in this series together called The Place to Be. And as a church, ultimately, uh, we think the place to be is at the feet of Jesus learning about who God is and receiving God's love. And so that's kind of our big picture as a congregation. And so we're talking about ways to do that. Last week, we talked about how we can know God and we can be known by God. If you weren't able to be here for that discussion, that's online on our website. Love for you to check that out. And today we're going to be talking about this is a place to belong. I think we all have something down deep inside of us that yearns to to find a place where we fit, where we matter, where if we're gone, someone's going to miss us. And so that, again, it's a type of church that we strive to be, a place where you feel that you belong. And so I'm glad you're here today and just would now invite you to join me in a moment of silent prayer that I would deliver God's word today and that we would all hear it and allow God to transform our lives. Let's pray together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to dive into some scripture today, and we're going to have it up on the screens if you want to read along there. I know it's kind of dark to read your Bibles unless you brought a book light, and that's totally cool if you did that. Uh, but if you have your phone or your tablet where you use your Bible app, you're more than welcome to turn that on right now. And we're going to be diving into some scripture again, as I said. Last week, we kind of introduced this scripture. It's from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. It's about several hundred years before Jesus was born. And the people of Israel, God's chosen nation to bless the entire world, had gotten into some trouble They disobeyed God and some consequences had come and uh, foreign government had come in and and made war against Israel and defeated them and took most of them to captivity outside of their homeland into a a whole other country. And so they're going through some hard times and they're wondering if God has forgotten them or abandoned them and and they're beginning to lose hope. And in this passage of scripture, God sends a prophet, which simply means a spokesperson for God, a man named Isaiah to go and to speak to the people of Israel and to give them a word of hope. So let's jump back into Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. These are names for Israel, the people of Israel that are in captivity. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you and I have summoned you by name. You are mine. I've called you by name and you are mine. And I guess a question for me is, what does it mean to belong to God? Is this something that was just thousands of years ago for the people of Israel? Or could we belong to God? Could we be a part of God's family? And if so, what does it mean to belong to God's family? What, is that, what does that look like? And maybe before we examine that or dive into that, we maybe need to take a step backwards and think about what does it mean to belong to anything? What does it mean to belong to a group or to an organization or to a family? What are the characteristics of belonging? So I spent a lot of time thinking and praying about that this week. And I think God told me that there's about three different parts of belonging. I think the the first part of belonging is there's some kind of standard or criteria that, that we have to meet to get into a group. 
right? And so there's certain things that we have to have within us to make it into certain groups. And then once we're inside of a group, I think there's a responsibility, things that we have to do to stay in that group. For example, if you work for Bank of America or Wells Fargo or Fifth Third Bank, you know, you're responsible to follow the rules, you're responsible to make sure that, that everything's going along the right way and probably to take care of the money of the bank. And so if one day you walk up and said, wow, I think today should be free money day and gave out free money to everybody, probably not going to be working at the bank much longer, are we? So, right, we have responsibility once we're in a group to follow the rules of the group. And then I think finally that there are benefits of belonging, right? Why else would we want to belong somewhere? There's got to be something that is in it for us. And so let's think about what that looks like in everyday life. There's criteria, standards to get in. There's responsibility, things we have to do to stay in. And then there are benefits that we receive by being a part of a group. So maybe the most basic group that we can be a part of is our family, right? So what's the criteria to be in a family? First of all, we're born into a family or we're adopted into a family. And so that's the way that we enter into families. How do we stay in a family? What's our responsibility? And it probably varies from family to family, but maybe most basically is we love each other. We take care of each other and we, we have each other's backs and, and, and we forgive each other when things don't go right. And so we, if we are young and children, you know, in a family, there are probably rules of the household that we have to follow. So we're born into a family. We're adopted into a family. We love each other. We take care of each other. We follow the family rules to stay inside the family in, in good relationship. And then the benefits of a family... One, survival. That's a great thing to have is to be able to live and survive. We, we receive love. We receive acceptance. We receive support, right? Care for one another. So there are a lot of positive things. So I think you're beginning to see what it looks like to belong. And as I'm talking today, just invite you to think about what are the groups that, that we belong to, that you belong to, that, that they're special to you. And how did you get in that group? And how do you stay in that group? And, and what are the great things that happen from being a part of that group? Right? And so we, we think about some of these things. Some of us are athletic and we want to be involved in a sports team. So what does it look like to belong to the team? Right? What are the criteria? If it's a competitive team, then we probably have to be good at that sport. We have to contribute something to, to get the attention of the team to take us and, and be a part of the team. Right? And so the responsibility if we make the team is to do our best and, and to practice and, and to play well, to be at the games on time, to, to follow the team rules, support each other. And, and so there's certain rules and abilities that we have to maintain to stay on the team. And then what's the benefit? We're part of something bigger than who we are. We experience camaraderie. We have a lot of fun playing the game. We, we enjoy winning. It's awesome. It's great to win. And, and when we don't win and we lose, we learn how to lose, you know, with dignity and that we don't always win in life. And it kind of gives us an opportunity for determining what we do when things don't go well, right? So there's different groups that we belong to, criteria to get in, responsibility to stay in, and then benefits that we're in there. You know, when we go off to college, there are a lot of people who decide to, they want to belong to a fraternity or a sorority, right? Groups of men and women that are social kind of clubs that come together and it's kind of like a family away from home. And, and so some people like to join in fraternities and sororities and, right, the basic criteria is you have to fit in with that group, that you're going to get along with them. And then, you know, some of the responsibilities are that, that you hang out with each other and you support each other, you do social events and you have certain academic things you have 
to meet and have to pay dues and go to meetings and, and things like that. And some of the benefits are you have support and a caring network of people while you're away from your home at college. Right? And so that's some of what goes on fraternity life, sorority life. But, but sometimes fraternity sororities can be kind of controversial because they're exclusive. Right? Only certain people get in and other people are not. Right? Fraternities don't let women in. Sororities don't let men in. And then what kind of men and what kind of women are accepted into these groups can be controversial. Right now, the oldest uh, university in, our, in the United States, Harvard University, is going through a great deal of controversy about fraternities and sororities because they see them as being exclusive, and that's not really what Harvard sees itself as. It sees itself as inclusive, and so fraternities and sororities uh, exist there. Uh, there are also other groups, like these very prestigious study groups. I know that sounds nerdy and boring, but, but these, are, these are folks who are part of a you know hundreds of years old tradition where they get them together and they have like like these multi-million dollar facilities uh, and it helps them do well in school and socially. And when you graduate from Harvard and you've been part of these groups, you're like top leaders in corporations and politics and help run the world. And so they're very exclusive and hard to get into. And so Harvard frowns upon all of this. And so they've made the fraternities and sororities and study clubs unofficial. They're, they're not sanctioned by the university. And so if you're in one of these groups, you do it outside of the bounds of Harvard University. But Harvard is not just stopping there. Now they're saying that if you're doing this off-campus activity that has nothing to do with the university itself, that now they're going to no longer let people who are in these groups have academic honors, graduate with honors, serve as captains of sports teams. There's really going to be a lot of penalties of joining these private clubs outside of the university. And that's stirring up a great deal of controversy within Harvard saying, how can you dictate what someone does on their own time? And so it's going to be very interesting to watch. But the bottom line issue here is exclusivity. You can't join this club and you can, right? And when we think about it, when we belong somewhere, usually there's some kind of a standard that keeps somebody out of the group or the club. And so as we think about belonging to God's family, does some of this stuff apply? Are there criteria to get in God's family? Are there responsibilities to stay in God's family? What are the benefits of being in God's family? And can anyone get into God's family? Or is it exclusive only for a handful of people, right? So let's go through Scripture today. And see what it looks like to belong to God and to belong in God's family. So let's start with the criteria. What does it take to get into God's family, get into a relationship with God? Are there criteria in the Bible? Absolutely there are. So let's look at three criteria that we can find in the Bible, what it means to belong to God. So we'll start in the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Can you swing that back to that? There we go. So God created humankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. So the first step of being in God's family, we can check off the list. God created us in God's image, male and female, right? All of us have been created in God's image, and so that's a great way to start to being a part of God's family. Right, let's continue on in the book of Galatians. This is a New Testament. Uh, it's a letter written by a man named Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. He founded all these churches throughout Europe and Asia. And so he writes them a lot of letters in the first century. We're going we're gonna to see several of these letters today. And this is one to a group called the Galatians. And this is what he says about Jesus. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. 
Now, this is a radical saying for Paul to be saying this. He's saying that Jesus is the great equalizer. Right? He, he, Jesus is the ultimate inclusive person. Right? So in Paul's day in the first century, men were elevated above women. Right? It's a patriarchal society. And Paul's saying, in Christ, there's neither male, there's neither female. We are all one in Jesus. In Paul's day, there are also people who were servants and indebted to people, even slaves. And so there, there were slave masters and there were slaves. And it was a little different than what it was like here in the United States. But still, it's nothing to brag about. And he's saying, Jesus levels that out. Right? There's neither slave, there's neither owner, right, or master. We are equal in Christ. It says in Jesus, there's no Jew or Gentile, right? The Christian faith came out of the Jewish faith. Jesus was Jewish. His disciples were Jewish. And, and some of the early Christians who were Jewish said that you had to be Jewish to be a Christian. And, and if you were not Jewish like a Gentile, like most of us, then, well, you're, you're left out. And Paul says, no, right? In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, we are all free, right? So this means that all of us have an opportunity to be a part of God's family. I want you to think about how important that is. Think about some of the places where we've been rejected, right? Sorry, you're not good enough to get into this college. I'm sorry, you're not good enough to make this team. You're not good enough to be in this club. You're, you're not going to be able to make it into the family. I'm sorry, we're going to have to terminate your position. You're not, you're not part of our work family anymore. How many places have we been shut out because of something in our life that didn't match up to the criteria or the standards? Here, God says that everyone has an opportunity to be a part of God's family, and that is huge. We all have an opportunity to be a part of the family of God. Third and final criteria I want to share with you this morning comes from John 3.16. You might have heard this verse or seen it held up at football games, basketball games on the sign. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. We all have an opportunity to be in God's family, but the way that that happens is that Jesus gives us access to God. We've been created in God's image, and that's a beautiful and a wonderful thing. But we also do things that go against God and do things that hurt other people. And we have brokenness in our relationships with God. We have brokenness in our relationships with with each other. That's called sin in the Bible, right? This brokenness, this wrongdoing, it, it brings guilt into our lives. It brings shame into our lives. It brings separation from God and separation from people. And, and that's what the Bible uses the word hell for. We're, we're broken and we're separated from God and from each other. And we're all going to die one day, right? One big rosy picture right there. God says, that's not how I want it. I want everybody to be in my family. And the way that you get back to me and my family is through my son, God himself, Jesus. God sent Jesus into the world to die on a cross, right? To take all of our junk, all of our guilt and our shame and our wrongdoing and our sin and our death and our hell and, and, and and to defeat it all. And when he rose back to life... He gives us access back to God, right? Jesus is the way back to God, right? That, the criteria is Jesus paved the way for us, right? When we couldn't get there ourselves, Jesus makes it available to us. So we're creating God's image. Everyone has an opportunity to be in God's family, and Jesus is the one that makes it possible, right? So those are the criteria. So let's look at what is well, what are the responsibility. If we want to be in with God... Right? We're in God's family. What does that look like? What do we need to do? Right? What, what are we responsible for? Okay, so let's continue now. So we look at, again in Paul's letter to the Galatians. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with glory. 
Even though we're created in God's image, the Bible says we're not children of God until we receive Jesus as Savior. Right? So the way to be in God's family is that we have faith in Christ and we confess Him as our Lord and Savior. Right? Jesus has done all the heavy lifting on the cross and in the resurrection, and He reaches out to us. To be a child of God, we have to reach back out to Jesus and say, God, I'm in. Right? I'm ready to, to leave this life that doesn't include you behind me. And I'm sorry for the wrong things that I've done. I want to turn away from that. That's called repent. And I, I want you to come in my life. Right? I, I believe in you, God. I believe in Jesus. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to be a child of God. And so it's simply saying yes to God's invitation. Right? And, and the results of that, then we become baptized. Right? That's where a pastor takes water and it puts it on our head or dunks us in the water and brings us back out because it symbolizes that we've been washed clean of our wrongdoing. We've been born again. We're a new creation in God. Right? And so we have to say yes to Jesus to formally become part of God's family. So we continue on with, again, with Paul, the dude who wrote most of the New Testament, this time a letter to the Romans. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So God sends His Spirit inside of us to guide us through our lives. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. So a benefit from being in a relationship with God is that fear and anxiety and stress, even though we experience it, they don't dominate our life because we have God and the Holy Spirit living inside of us, right? The Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and daughtership, right? So Jesus and God make it possible for us to be adopted into God's holy family. And by God, we cry, Abba, Father. We're able to call God Dad, right? Could you imagine going to the President of the United States, whether it's a Republican president or a Democratic president, and saying, what's up, Dad? I'm here to see the White House, right? Probably don't have a level of intimacy like that with the leader of our nation, but we can have a level of intimacy like that with the creator of everything. That's powerful. And Jesus makes that possible. That uh, you know, An amazing benefit is we have this loving relationship with a God that we can call Father, right? It's just amazing. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. So another benefit of being in God's family is that we are heirs. And what do heirs do? They inherit, right? So we inherit some amazing things because God is inside of us, right? God has adopted us. And so like Jesus, we're going to have all this incredible inheritance. Well, what what does that inheritance look like? One, it's that we live life to the full now, that our lives are full of meaning and we're making a difference. It means that one day we'll live forever in the kingdom of heaven, right? Where there's no suffering and there's no anxiety, right? It's, It's paradise. And so we will live there. We can participate in these amazing gifts that God gives us for being heirs. We can be a part of something bigger than who we are. Now, one other responsibility that I read there, it was one that we might not want to see. It says that we also share in Jesus' suffering, right? Well, you had me going with all the good stuff, Pastor, but now it says that we have to share in Jesus' suffering so that we can also share in all of His glory. I'm not sure that I want to be part of that family, right? Is that some kind of sadomasochistic family? No, no, it's not. What it means is that when we follow God, we're on the side of good and we have to stand up to evil. And when we do the right thing in life, sometimes that's difficult, isn't it? 
Right? We stand up and we do the right thing. Sometimes that causes us to go against peer pressure. Right? Maybe we say, no, we don't want to help bully some child. Or no, we don't want to smoke that joint at the party. Or no, we're not going to look the other way when, when our boss is doing something illegal in the company. Right? Doing the right thing is a hard thing to do. But Jesus says, I've got your back and I'm going to fill you full of glory and all these awesome things. So sometimes we have to stand with Jesus and do the right thing, even though it's difficult. Right? Part of the responsibility of being part of God's family. So we continue on now with 1 John again, now in the New Testament, chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, is the Messiah, is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, right? So if we love God, if we're part of the family, part of the responsibility is we obey God. And that sounds hard and difficult, but Jesus boils it down to two things. If you love God, then love God with everything that you have, right? With your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love people, right? So God's commands can be boiled down to two things. Love God and love people with our actions and the way that we treat them. And another benefit is that we overcome the world. What does it mean to overcome the world? It means that we're not full of fear. We're not full of anxiety. We're not full of doubt. We still have that stuff in our life, but but we overcome that and we live in the goodness of being in the family of God. One more scripture on what happens from being part of God's family. Galatians chapter 5, again from Paul. But the fruit of the Spirit, it's what the Holy Spirit does for us inside of us, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those are benefits from following God. Notice it didn't say that following God is, is, is a life full of fear and anxiety and stress and hate and anger and loneliness and hopelessness, right? A lot of stuff that the world feels and experiences when we're with God. Man, we have some of those experiences, but the dominant experiences are the love and the peace even in the midst of a hard time that God's with us and we're going to get through this somehow, all those things are benefits from being in a relationship with God. So this belonging to God is this amazing gift that God offers to all of us. And we're all included if we choose, if we choose to invite Jesus into our lives as Lord and Savior. Because there is an exclusive part of our faith. And Jesus says it in John's gospel. He says this about himself. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Right? So as Christians, we believe that the way to God is through Jesus and what he did on the cross and his resurrection. And there are a lot of different beliefs in the world. There are a lot of different religions in the world. And, and I just want you to, to, to hear me clearly. We respect people of other faith traditions. And we care for people of other faith traditions. We respect the right for anyone to believe how they want to believe. That's, that's how it is. And we serve alongside other people of other faith traditions. We pray for people. We, we hang out with people from other faith traditions. But at the end of the day, when you stack up the beliefs of different religions, they say different things. Right? And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that Jesus and the cross is the way that's direct to God. Right? So that's the sure path that, that we have to follow. And it's exclusive in saying that Jesus is the way, but it's inclusive saying anybody can come to that, right? 
Anybody can come to that. But yes, it does say something different from other faith traditions. Now, you know, what really helps me to understand that in addition to my personal relationship with Jesus is, is as I understand different religions and different faith traditions, it seems like the other, Christian, other traditions other than Christianity, it's about us earning God's love. But in Christianity, God's saying, I love you even when you don't deserve it, right? You're not perfect, but I love you, and so I'm going to reach out to you. And for me, right, that was one of the big things that really helped me to understand that this is, this is the truth, right? And so it's an exclusive claim, but it's inclusive because anybody can come to Christ, right? So we've been talking about a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and, and with God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But there's also some even more cool stuff about being in the family of God. It's not just us and God. It's us and each other. As we look around this room and think about the people in this church and other Christians around the world, right? There's some very special benefits about coming together to be the body of Christ in the world. So let's go now to the book of Acts in the New Testament. We're picking up the story after Jesus has been resurrected. He's talked to his disciples. He's gone back into heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit, that special part of God that's with us now. His disciple Peter has preached this incredible sermon to people who are gathered from all over the world. And over 3,000 people have given their life to Jesus. They're trying to figure out, well, how are we going to be the body of Christ? There's over 3,000 of us and we don't even speak the same language. And so this is what happens in the book of Acts and what it looks like to be a part of God's family. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thousands upon thousands of people are coming to faith in Jesus. All right, so they have a personal relationship with God, but they live it out together. Right? And so this is where the church is born. And, and this is why the local congregation is the body of Christ in the world. It's where we worship together. It's where we go into each other's homes and we share meals together. We share the sacrament of Holy Communion. We fellowship together. We serve God together. We share our time. We share our resources. We even share our money with people who need that. Right? And so it's a personal commitment to a personal relationship to God, but it's lived out in a community of faith called the church. Right, so the responsibility after accepting Jesus as Savior is to become active in a local church. And we'd love to have you be a part of our local church. If, if you're new to our congregation or you're looking for that, we would love to have you as part of our congregation. But whether it's here or somewhere else, it's important. And the scripture, especially the New Testament, time and time again says if we're in a relationship with God, then we're also in a relationship with a local church. Very, very important. We've got another passage of scripture from Matthew. I'm not going to take the time to read this right now, but you can write that down. This is a passage about when two people uh, are dis- in a disagreement in the church and one of them is wrong the other, and the one who's done the wrong thing doesn't make it right. Well, you know what the church did? They tried three times to go back and, and make a connection, right? They try to reconcile, but if at the end of all that, if a reconciliation doesn't happen, if you don't live up to the responsibilities of the church, then, then they ask you to leave the church. 
right? And, and the intent is so that when the person is outside the church, they miss the church family so much that they want to come back and they want to reconcile and make things right. The early church took their responsibilities seriously. If you didn't follow the responsibilities, then you're no longer part of the church because you're not doing what God called you to do. That's pretty harsh and uh, it's challenging, but they took that seriously in the early church. So, just a quick summary of where we are. What's the criteria for serving God? We're created or to be a part of God's family. We're created in the image of God. Everyone is eligible, and Jesus makes it possible, right? Through grace, unmerited favor, something we haven't deserved, but God does it for us. So those are the three ways that we get into the family of God, right? So our responsibilities are, the first one is to have faith and accept Jesus, right? We repent. We turn away from our life without God. We receive Jesus, confess Him as our Lord and Savior, right? We receive baptism, the waters of baptism. We obey God by loving God and loving people. We share in Christ's suffering while we also share in His glory and we are active in a local church right and then the benefits of being in a relationship with god being in a church family is we live life to the full now on the earth we live forever in the kingdom of heaven we have relationships with god and with each other that are strong and full of love and forgiveness we receive the fruit of the spirit we're part of something bigger than who we are we make a difference and we receive incredible support right i think that's a lot of stuff that I want to belong to, that I'm glad I'm a part of. And I would urge you to think and pray about, wow, maybe is God calling me to make a commitment to Jesus and to make a commitment to a local church, right? The way that we live that out here at Sheeran United Methodist Church, our vision is to be the spiritual crossroads of our community, the South Park community, and to lead people who are far from God, lead people who are far from God into that relationship with Christ, right? That the life that is rich in Christ, right? To be the spiritual crossroads leading people far from God into a rich life that's full of Jesus, right? And so that's what we're called to do. And, and our core beliefs match what I've been talking about. And I think they're, they're within the Bible, right? It's all about God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, right? It's all about God. Then it's grace, Right? Jesus reaches out to us when we don't deserve it, but he's like, I love you. You're creating my image. You've messed up. So what? I love you. I'm here. Right? It's grace, and we can all receive that. We believe that the Bible is the word of God. We believe that God wants us to pray, which means that we talk to and we listen to God, and we believe that the church is the body of Christ in the world where we live out our faith. Right? So those are our core beliefs. Now, we have beliefs about everything else under the sun, and we have people all over the spectrum where we agree and disagree, but these are like our core, essential, non-negotiable beliefs, and we think that most every other Christian church believes those things, which is really kind of cool. And then we ask, in our local environment here, we ask people to live out three things, three things. The first is to worship God, which you're doing right now, so hey, check that off the list. We do that together, and then throughout the week, we ask that we worship individually by reading our Bible and praying to God every day. That could be five minutes. It could be 10 minutes. It could be an hour. Right? We want to continue to worship God throughout the week because God is worthy of that. The second thing we ask is people to be a part of a small group. And this is where we do life together. It's where we, we, we know each other's fears and anxieties and hopes and celebrations. And we go through the ups and downs of life. We study the word of God together and, and we live life together and we hold each other accountable. Right? And the third and final thing is that we serve God. And we do that in three ways. We give God our time, right? We show up. 
We give God our talent, right? What we're good at. Some of us can sing. Some of us can play guitar. Some of us can do audio video. Some people can set up the lobby. Some of us host small groups in our homes, right? We do all those kind of cool things, what our talents are. And then finally, we serve God by giving financially to the church to make all this ministry possible and to give back to God because God is a generous God and has blessed us and calls us to be generous in return. And so what you'll find out here. As we're starting our church over, we're in our 50th year, we're starting, our, it's like a reboot of our church. We're relaunching our church. We're rebuilding our campus into a mixed-use development where the church is going to be the center of this amazing space where people live and work and dine and, and shop and all this, right? We are rebooting our church, and it's not a church where you can sit still for very long. Right, And if you're new to our church and you're checking it out, that's awesome. We don't want you to feel any pressure. But ultimately, this is a church where you get your hands dirty. You get skin in the game and we make a difference. Even people who are, have mobility issues and challenges and they're not able to come, they still pray and they call and they send cards. And, and we're just this one big active faith machine for God. And it's a very special place to be. Yesterday, we sent about 20 people up to Asheville, North Carolina, uh, to Haywood Street Congregation. It's another Methodist church, and it was started by a pastor who grew up in our church. And it's a church for homeless people, made up by homeless people. Uh, And so from our Christmas Eve offering last December, uh, we took some money, and we partnered with this group called Rise Against Hunger. And we paid them to come and bring 15,000 meals that we and the people of Haywood Street Congregation would pack together. So we're going to send those meals all around the world to people who are starving, right? People like 22,000 people will starve to death today. Well, not today, but not on our watch because we pack 15,000 meals. And when they give the people the meals, they also tell them the good news about Jesus. And so we came together with Hayward Street and we came together with some other churches in Asheville, right? Homeless people, people who have residences. It's all a beautiful piece of just God's patchwork. And we couldn't do that without time and talent and money. And why are we doing that? Because we're all part of God's family. We're all included whether we have food or not, whether we have homes or not, whether we live in Asheville or Charlotte or Haiti. Right? We are all, we are all called to be a part of God's family. And it's a beautiful thing. So what? Right? So what's the big deal then, Pastor Kyle? So, so what's the point? Why are we talking about all of this? I think the most important point is, you know, sometimes you've heard it said, well, we can't choose our family. You know, and that might be true to some, in some cases or the other, but we can choose our spiritual family. So, the, so what is, is I'm saying I'm asking you to consider to choose to be a part of God's family. Choose to be a part of God's family, right? We can be children of God. God's reaching out, but we have to choose to reach back out and receive Jesus, right? So choose to be a part of God's family by, first of all, accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then secondly, becoming active in a local church. And again, we would love to have you be a part of our church. And you can check out our website or go to the connection table in the lobby. We'll tell you all about our church, right? But whether it's our church, one of the other 2,000 churches in in, uh, Mecklenburg County, right? God wants us to be in a local church because we enjoy the benefits and we make a difference in the world. So today's Mother's Day. 
I'm excited to have my mom here today. My parents are here for the first time in the theater. I'm super pumped about that and love my mom and uh, love my wife, who's an amazing mother. And we celebrate Mother's Day today. We also know that Mother's Day is a very difficult day for, for a lot of us. We didn't get the mother that we wanted or we didn't get the mother that we deserved or we didn't have a good relationship with our, our, our biological mother. And some of us want to be mothers and we're not able to do that. And so today can be a really hard day as well. And so if you're in that situation, I want to thank you for being brave enough and having the courage to come to a church that's probably going to talk about Mother's Day and it's hard for you. And so I thank you for coming here today. Because I want to talk to you about a mother that I know. And it's a friend of mine, and her name is Denise, and she's an awesome mom, and something special is happening in her life in July. Her adult son is getting married, and so she's having a great time being the mother of the groom and uh, getting ready to do all those fun things that's involved in all of that. And she was telling me about her daughter-in-law-to-be and how excited she is to welcome her into the family, and, and that she's also been invited to, to do a lot more wedding planning on the bride's side of thing. And I said, well, why is that? And she said, well, my, my future daughter-in-law her parents and and her, they don't have anything to do with each other. They're out of the picture completely. They're alive and well, but but they've severed ties with each other. It's been incredibly difficult for her. And this is supposed to be one of the best times in her life where she's got her mom and they're looking for the wedding dress and looking for bridesmaid dresses. They're going to the caterer and they're trying all the food and they're doing all the plans and working out the flowers. And she doesn't have a mother to do that, right? And that's because of a choice, right? I don't know what the history on that is. And, and so Denise is a, a good mother to her son. She's a good Christian mother. And she just oozes love. And so it, it just it warmed her heart when her daughter-in-law, her future daughter-in-law said, would you come and help me plan the wedding? And Denise said, absolutely. I would love to do that because she's welcoming this young lady into her family. And she's saying, you're good enough for my son. Your criteria is met and we want you to be a part of our family. We're going to love each other. You're going to love us and we're going to love you. And There's going to be responsibility and there's going to be a lot of benefits and they're starting right now. And so I'm just going to pour my heart out and we're going to have the best wedding ever. And I will be that mother figure for you. That's what it's all about, right? I don't know about you, and our situation might not be exactly like that, right? This wedding thing coming up, our parents against us and us against them. But I've got to believe, if you're like me, that there's places in our lives where we've wanted to belong and someone said to us, no, you can't belong. You're not good enough. You're not the right color. You're not the right gender. You're not got the right amount of money. You're not smart enough. You're not athletic enough. You're not this enough, right? How many of us have been rejected and rejected and rejected when all we want to do is belong for who we are and what we've been created to do? And that's why God made us. And that's why God sent His Son Jesus into the world to die on a cross and to come back to life so that we can know that there's a place for us in the family of God. There's a place for us in a relationship with Jesus and there's a place for us in a local church where we will be missed when we're not there, we'll be celebrated when we're there and we'll make a difference in the world. So what? Choose to be a part of God's family. Choose a relationship with Jesus Christ. Choose to be active in a local church and enjoy the benefits. Because God sent His Son into the world to die and to come back to life because God believes that each and every one of us belongs with God. And this is good news on this Mother's Day. Amen.